So this morning we're going to be in Psalm 10. That's where we left off last week. Um, I'm just going to jump right in. We'll read the scripture. Going to kind of do a quick review. Then we're going to we're going to preach and teach through the word. So if you'll take your copy of God's word, turn over to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, Psalms and Proverbs, especially Psalms is a large book, and find Psalm 10. As you're turning there this morning, we need to remember that Psalm 10 does not have a, an inscription of who the writer is. Most scholars believe that it is David who wrote Psalm 9, but they don't really know about Psalm 10. That's okay. The Lord did. Amen? He, uh, man was the penman, but the Lord was the author and the creator. They really think that Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are really one prayer, one psalm. So if you found your copy of God, uh, found your copy in uh, Psalm 10, we'll read. So let's read together. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourselves, yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In the hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in the thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Then we see this shift. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is the king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. His, his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. May the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word. So last week we, we landed here, and, and the message title was Why? And I ask you the question, have you ever asked God why? Why? And, and, and the thing that I want you to see is it is okay to ask God why. Amen? It is okay to ask God why about the things that you see around you. 
As I told you last week, I did not understand why we were in Psalm 10, why the Lord led me to Psalm 10. And years past, on the last Sunday of the month, occasionally, I had preached through the Psalms, just like my home church pastor did uh, many years ago. And I just thought that was a great way because we need to get into not only just the New Testament, but also the Old Testament. Amen. And one of the things that I want you to see is as we go here, that I realized last Sunday morning as I was just finishing my notes, the reason we're here is because we've been going through a series about going deeper with God. And I want you to see in this psalm that the psalmist is bearing his heart. And he's saying, why God? And he's calling all these things to the Lord and he's asking him questions. And the thing that I realized last Sunday, and I want you to realize again this Sunday, is that we need to get honest and real and raw with the Lord. We need to go past the surface, past the solitudes and, and the, 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 the little things that we say, the simple sayings that we say, yes, the Lord can hear those, but we need to go past those, we need to go past the surface and go to the soul. What is burdening your soul? What is burdening your inner being? That is going deeper with the Lord, and we see that through the psalmist. And we begin to think about, well, what does it mean to ask God why? And we talked about a few things that we've seen in our community and in our nation. There's a heroin epidemic. Why? Why are these people battling this? Why is this an issue even in our own community? Yes, in Sumter, South Carolina, the heroin epidemic is taking place. There's people that are getting busted with it and people that are dying from it and people that are addicted to it. This is real. It's happening right here in Sumter. It's not an L.A. problem. It's not an Atlanta problem. It's not a New York City problem. It is a Sumter, South Carolina problem. Amen? We can put on our rose-colored glasses and we can forget about those who need the gospel most. As Joanne and Mark shared this morning, there have been men and women who have been saved out of the pit of hell that were living life on the edge, living life destined for hell. And someone came along and said, hey, you might not go to church, but let me invite you to my house on a Friday night. And let me just love you and encourage you and point you to Jesus and thank God, praise God that people have been saved. Amen? People realize that there's hope for them. We also want to ask God why when there's cancer or car crashes or shootings and sex trafficking. I mentioned that. Whoa, wait a second. Don't talk about those things. Friends, it's what the church doesn't talk about that people struggle with the most. It's what the church struggles with the most. I'm not saying that y'all struggle with sex trafficking, but it is a real issue. Pornography and sex trafficking is a real issue that is destroying men and women. It's destroying houses. It's even destroying pulpits. There are men of God who struggle with that. But I bring that to your forefront tonight, or this morning, why? Because even this past week as they prepare for the Super Bowl, praise be to God that people were arrested for sex trafficking and people were going to be prosecuted. But more importantly, praise God that young women and young men that were caught up in that, that could not get out because they were enslaved, have been set free. Do you think they need the gospel by God? Yes, they do. They need to know that even though they've been through hell, there's a God who loves them. Amen. There's a God who can redeem even the things that they don't even know. And they ask, God, why did you take me through that? He can still use it. Amen. 
Christine Kane, look her up. She came out of Australia. She was unloved, unwanted, and unnamed. She basically had a number whenever she was born. And she was adopted, and she was basically sexually abused. And so then eventually she met the Lord. And you know what she did? She took what had been happened to her in her life, and she turned that over and said, God, I'm going to use this for your glory. And she went out and she started the Aid 21 campaign. And it's, it's groups and organizations like that that are going after sex traffickers. And they're prosecuting them and they're setting people free. Just like the Mackeys talked about this morning, God can use your past, amen? There's things that you've been through. They, they mentioned about uh, someone was saved out of the disco there in the Ukraine. And guess what? That guy got saved. That guy began to walk with God. And guess what? He went back where he once was living in sin and living in burden and living in shame. And he used it for God's glory to, to snatch those other people out of hell. Amen? To let them know that there is hope. And then lastly, we talked about even this in the last month about the New York State and they're allowing abortions up to birth. And we asked the question, why? Why? And I want to ask you this question this morning. Where is your focus in times of trouble? Where is your focus in times of trouble? Last night I had the opportunity, got asked to pray to the most oddest of places. Went to an auction. They said, will you open us in prayer? Okay, yes, I will. But I reminded them, as I reminded you many times before, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. I reminded them, and I remind you again this week, whatever you're going through, keep looking up. Keep looking to the Lord for your strength and for your hope. And so really quickly, we looked at, uh, we said verses 2 through 13 had this theme of rejecting God. I called your attention. This is kind of where we stopped last week. Um, It says that his ways prosper at all times. And so I asked you a question that I read as I was studying. And it was this, why are we upset when the wicked prosper? Why are we upset when the wicked prosper? And listen to this question. It was a follow-up question. Are we angry about the damage they are doing, or are we just jealous of their success? Think about that. When the wicked prosper, are you jealous because of the damage that they're doing to other people, or because of the lifestyle that they're living? As I reminded my kids, as I remind you, just because somebody has riches and gold and has nice fancy cars and a big fancy house. I reminded them and I remind you, they also got the bills to go along with that. Amen? As good old Dave Ramsey says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. If we could ever break that cycle, we're going to talk about in the coming weeks about going deeper in our serving and our giving. Imagine how much more you could serve and how much more you could give unto the Lord if you weren't trying to impress your neighbor. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. Wealth is only temporary. So verses 6 through 11, he says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations I shall not meet adversity. Doesn't that sound just like the fool? Right? Because he he wants to think that there is no God, that he will not be held accountable. I won't meet any adversity. Sure, he might say that now, but it's coming. 
He's going to have to answer for what he does. Verse 7, his mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. That's sin. He sits in ambush in the villages, in the hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. Verse 9, listen to what it says. Listen to what the psalmist says. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. There are many nets cast waiting to swallow you. Amen? As the psalmist tells us in Psalm 1, there are two ways. Ways of the wise and ways of the wicked. And the company that you keep is a reflection of your character. It will ultimately lead to your eternal destination. But can I stop there and challenge you something this morning as, as I've, I think I've challenged you in the last couple of weeks. We, we've got to get away from living inside of a bubble. We can't live inside of a bubble and say, okay, God, I only want people that go to Bible Fellowship Church. I only want people who believe exactly like I believe. I only want people who behave exactly like I behave. Because you know what? When you turn and you look at that, if God hates everybody that you hate, He's probably not God. Amen? That is, a, that, is a, that is a God that you have created in your head. Verse 10, The helpless are crushed. They sink down and they fall by His might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden His face. He will never see it. The New Living Translation say, says this. The wicked think, God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. Can I tell you that that is a lie as well? The Lord sees. The Lord sees it all. But then in verse 12, we see what is beginning of a shift of the psalmist. And he says, Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call into account? Verse 12, I want you to, know, I want you to notice here, and you won't notice necessarily in your copy of God's Word, but this is why it's important to study it. This is why it's important to have passages preached and taught, because there are things that you could just slide right over and say, okay, that's cool. But when you look back at the original language of which the Word of God was written, you know, like I give you the example of love. I love ice cream, and I love going to auctions, and I love my family, and I love the Lord. Now, I would think that the way I love the Lord is a little bit different than... Did I say hot dogs? I don't think so. Oh, ice cream. Thank you. I don't like hot dogs. Yeah, Sausage dogs. But anyway, I would hope that the love I have for God is a little bit different than the love I have for ice cream. Amen? And so just like that word, we take words in our English language and we don't realize the significance of them. And here's the thing that I want you to know, and this could be a whole other study in and of itself, and maybe one day we'll get there. But in this verse, in these two verses, the psalmist uses three 
different names for God. He uses the word Jehovah and El and Elohim. So here's what I want you to know. If you look at the root language of here of this of this text, here's what he's saying. He he's saying and he's calling out. He's saying, "Arise, Jehovah." Now listen to this. Jehovah was a special and significant name, not merely a common title such as Lord, by which God revealed Himself to the ancient Hebrews in Exodus chapter six. Listen, Exodus chapter six, verse two and three. God spoke to Moses and said to him, "I am the Lord." I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, and if you have a copy of a King James Bible in your hand, it will say, but by my name, Jehovah, I did not make myself known to them. You see, Jehovah was held by the later Jews to be so sacred that it was never pronounced except by the high priest in the great day of atonement when he entered into the most holy place. Whenever this name occurred in the sacred books, they pronounced it as they still do, Adonai, i.e. Lord, thus using another word instead. Do you see that? And so that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, arise Jehovah. But because they, they thought that this word was so significant of, of the name, of how God had revealed himself that they could not even know him as Jehovah, they replaced it as Adonai, our Lord. Arise, O Lord. Then we see that the psalmist uses the word El, E-L. And in the group of Semitic languages, that's Hebrew, Arabic and Aramaic, the most common word for deity is El. E-L. It's represented by the Babylonian E-L-U and the Arabic Allah. It is found throughout the Old Testament, but most often in Job and the book of Psalms. It occurs seldom in historical books and isn't found at all in Leviticus. This is combined, and thus we get our next word for God. So we see that the psalmist says, Arise, Jehovah. Arise, El. And then we see this word. It's a combination of the last and the next. And it is Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim. The first form of God's name that we see in the Bible Elohim is ordinarily translated as God. And we see it in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim created. This is the most frequently used name for God throughout the Old Testament. And it's equivalent, Theos, T-H-E-O-S, is in the New Testament occurring approximately 200 plus times. Why do I share this? Because I told you last week that when you preach and teach, when, I, when I've heard, and as I preach and teach through the Psalms, it's a different way of teaching. Amen? we got to go like way high and see the 5,000 feet view, but then we got to like get down in the weeds, and we got to look at some of the stuff that you can't see. we got to look at what the original language means. So we're going to be kind of high, and we're going to reach everybody, and then those who kind of like history or like the 
semantics of words, we'll, we'll be down in the weeds. But hang with me. Hang with me. Because then we see in verse 14 through 18 that the focus is on trusting God. Verse 14, But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. Now, I want to stop right there for a minute. Do you, do you see what he's saying? There's this shift. He's been saying, well, you know, the, 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 the wicked are saying, oh, God's not going to call this into account. He'll never see it. Oh, wait a second. Arise, Jehovah. Arise, El. Arise, Elohim. And then he's coming back in verse 14 and he's saying, but you do see. For you note mischief. You, mo- you note trouble and vexation. I don't know about y'all, but I don't use that word. As I t- if I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, when you study God's word, it's helpful to keep a dictionary nearby. Now with your cell phone, just type it in, and like on mine, you, you click and then say define. Because I'm like, what does vexation mean? That's why it's good to look at, have a Bible app and look at other translations. What is, how is this word translated? Vexation is basically grief. Right, that you note, you note mischief, you note trouble, and you note their grief. As I dug deeper and I tried to look at what that meant, you know, have you ever been annoyed? Right? Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been worried? The Amplified version says that that he notes your irritation. Amen. When you got that, uh, when you got that person that comes into your life and you're irritated, oh God, God knows that. Amen? He sees that. And sometimes you have to just step back and say, okay, God, why is this person in my life? Like, wh- what do you want me to see? How, how can I be Jesus to them? How can I show Christ-like love to them? The rest of verse 14 and following, to, to you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Now look at verse 15. We talked about getting raw and real with God. Amen. Have you ever prayed a prayer like the psalmist did in verse 15? Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. That's a strong word. You ever prayed for a person you didn't like? Say, Lord, I hope you break his arm. That's a strong word. Amen. But we see it. In the Psalms, we see it from the psalmist that we are to go deeper with the Lord. We're to go deeper in prayer. We're to go deeper with our relationships with others. And we're to get raw and real. And we're just to say, God, okay, I want to get past the surface. I want to get past the pleasantries. And I just want to go deeper with you. And God, here's what's really on my heart. Here's what's really stirring in my soul. I don't like this person. I don't like this circumstance. Why do I have to go through this? Why does my loved one have to go through this? Why do we have to go through this? Why are they killing babies? Why are people hooked on drugs? Why are people, you know, caught up in sex trafficking? Pray. It makes a difference. Amen? Speaking of that, I saw this week a young man that I know, uh, someone commented on his post, and, and they said, well, we should just get together a prayer chain. And the guy came back and said, well, I don't believe in prayer. And I don't, I don't believe that it makes any difference. And so that person said, oh, okay, sorry. You know, you can kind of tell by their language. It's like, I'm going to check out. I'm going to, you know, put a mark on you. You know what? I don't know if that man might ever be saved, but I'm not going to defriend him because of that. Amen? 
Because he needs the gospel. He needs hope. He needs, he needs to know that prayer does make a difference. And maybe one day, one day he'll realize it does. Maybe one day he'll say, well, I might not be a praying person like one of my other friends. And, they, and they'll come to me and say, but will you pray about this? You better believe I will. I also find it interesting that another friend that doesn't necessarily believe in prayer, doesn't really believe that you can know God. I had a, a, some sticky notes from a, a prayer walk that we did one time, and it said praying for, and then the part of the sticky note was left blank. And this person saw this stack of sticky notes on my desk, and they wrote their name. So just because they don't believe what you believe, just because they don't think like you think they should think, does not mean that you should push them away. Verse 16, The Lord is the King forever and ever. The nations perish from His land. O Lord, You hear the desires of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of earth may strike terror no more. Can I remind you of one last thing as we unpack this text and I begin to close out this morning? I wrote this down and I said, God, how does this even tie in? But can I remind you of this as we talk about this song, as we psalm, as we talk about just the psalmist pouring out his heart and saying, why God? Why? Why are these things happening? Can I remind you this morning that evil does not win? Evil does not win. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, not Revelations, but Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, when you found your place, say amen. This falls under the heading in my Bible of the defeat of Satan. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But, but... Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Friends, take comfort, take joy, have hope this morning that evil does not win. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. Amen. That Satan might be deceiving people now. He might have some eyes blinded for now. He might be getting his way in in society and in politics and in this world. And his agents are out doing harm to others. But he his day is coming. Amen. But just like Joanne and Mark, our job as as believers in Jesus Christ is not to sit and to warm a pew on Sunday mornings, but it is to take what we've learned to pray and to go wherever God leads us. Whether that's at the grocery store, whether that's at the gas station, whether that's at your job, whether that's in your family, whether that's at school, 
wherever it is God is calling you to go, will you have the faith of the young lady that Joanne shared about, that she knew, okay, these people, they're not going to go to church, but hey, I'm going to open up my house. Y'all come. Y'all come. We'll eat. Come into the comfort of my house, and I will encourage you, not in my own strength, not with my words, but with God's words. I leave you this morning with a story. And can I tell you that it's amazing that as we begin to talk, and this is, I give you this example to make much of Jesus. Amen? That's why I give you this example. Because this is what it's all about. It's taking what you hear on Sunday morning and it's just dripping it into your conversations. It's not lamb blasting people. It's not beating them over the head with the Bible. But it's just saying, hey, let me tell you what I heard about this. Let me tell you this question that my pastor asked you. Let me tell you this question that my Sunday school teacher asked me. Amen? Last Sunday morning... Before Miss Betsy left, we began to talk about what I was going to be preaching on. And I and I, I was excited at the moment. I began to share part of that story and I began to tell her I was going to be preaching about why. And I asked and I have permission for Miss Betsy to share this story with you this morning. As I began to share, she said, Well, there was a time in my life that I asked God why. There was a time in my life that I asked God why. She said in nineteen eighty four that she had gotten pregnant and they had tried to... This is the second child, right, Betsy? This is her second child. They had tried to get pregnant. Pregnant. She has her baby. Her baby lives five days and died of a heart defect. And she told me this. She said, what's the magic thing I didn't say or do? Right. That's what she wrestled with. She asked God why. She thought, Lord, what is it? What's that magic thing that I didn't say or I didn't do? And from her through me, hear these words. Whatever is going on, I'm desperate for God. That's what she said. She realized that she needed God. And she wants to encourage you that don't, Waste the pain. The little boy Roy, as she reflected back on that, she says, she realized, she came to realize after wrestling, after asking God why for so long, that she realized that she needed God more than she needed the answer. She went on to tell me that they tried to have another child and just couldn't. She said the ray of hope came and they were going to adopt the child. And they were promised and they said, you're going to get a letter. You can get a letter confirming all of this. And she said, she, man, buddy, July, I think it was January that year came and every day she went out to the mailbox. Oh, no letter. January 2nd. No letter. January 3rd, no letter. Days and days and weeks went by. But listen to what she said. Again, she began to ask God why. And she needed a letter. She never got it. But she got a baby girl. Amen, that they adopted. So her letter never came. She thought she needed a letter. 
She thought she needed the answers, but what she really needed was God. Let's pray. I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for the psalmist of Psalm 10. Lord, we thank you that he got raw and real with you. Lord, and he just poured out his heart and he said, why? Why? Don't you see these things? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see the oppression? Don't you see the the hurt and the pain? How do you see it? Lord, like Betsy shared, she, she was looking for a letter. She was looking for an answer. And what she really needed was you. So, Father, help us in this moment as we close out this service, as we take up our offering. May this be a time of reflection. Lord, whatever is on our heart and mind, whether it's a letter, whether it's a confirmation, whether it's something we're waiting on, a a word or an, an approval, God, that we wouldn't wait on that, but we would turn to you and that we would get real, that we would get raw, and that we would just tell you what's really on our hearts and minds. We'd tell you with what we're struggling with. We would tell you that we're angry, that we're frustrated, that we're irritated, God, of why you haven't come through. And, oh, Lord, I'm so very thankful that you can take it. That you don't look at us any different, but that your grace and your mercy washes over us. And so, Father, I pray this morning for that one who is looking for an answer. May they find you. May they cling to you. May they get real with you. And Lord, may you give them the hope and the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, we thank you and we love you. Amen.